0: up for the raffle. Yeah. Hey, I will say just real quick, if you have not been by the butcher, I went a couple of days ago, it's legit. Uh, I met Dalton, who was one of the owners, and man, he, uh, yeah, it's cool stuff, man, like that. Lots of stuff, and uh, he'd be happy to help you out any way you desire. All right, well, let's dive in. It is Father's Day, and I have to say, uh, it's one of those deals where, when I think about Father's Day, I have to say I love, I love Father's Day. I love it honestly because I love any day that's about me, right, men, right? Any day it's about you, it's great. So you got the like, kids have to be nice to me, kind of like my birthday. Like my two favorite days is like birth, my birthday and Father's Day. Uh, and so, yeah, you get to be the king of your own house for that one day a year, right? No, but seriously, it's so great. I love it. I love Father's Day. But to be completely honest with you, the thing that I love most about Father's Day is this: the reality that I get to be a dad. Like, I have to say and confess that like, I, I honestly, thoroughly, for thoroughly enjoy being a dad in every facet, right? Like, I love being a bio dad, and so if you, like, some of you have been around vintage from the very, very beginning, right? And you watched Santa Catherine and Sarah from, like, eight, we came, AK was going into kindergarten, Sarah was going into preschool, AK is now graduating, heading off to college this year, and Sarah's going into her senior year of high school, like, you've watched them, you've heard me tell stories, honestly, when I'm meeting new people, they will come and usually how it is like they'll start to ask you questions about your wife or your spouse, right? Then ask about kids, and so I'll sit there and I'll brag about Randall for a while, and then I'll sit there and like to spend forever bragging on both of our girls. I have the gift of communication; it's like one of my strengths and strength finders. I just communicate all day long, right? About how much I love them, how great I, how great they are, how proud I am of them, right? Like I I literally love talking about my girls. But the flip side, also I love being a foster dad, right? And the, and, the, and, the, and the children we've had come live in our home for different periods of time in different seasons. Like, they come into our home, and like, I think I scared them a little bit because I like like them so much when they first get like, hey, how's it going, oh my God, right? Like, I got to play the cool, you know, put the cool guy, but like, I love them being there. By the time they, they reach some sort of point in time, they realize, oh, this guy does actually care about me. He actually does love me. He actually is fighting for me, right? And there's that beautiful piece of, of just being a foster dad that I love, but I also have to confess like i I love uh, being a spiritual dad, right? Like I love being a spiritual dad. like I, I mean, like there are spiritual kids of mine in here. Like I have all these people that I have invested into over the years in college ministry for over eleven years, right? I have been a part of here and like invested into a lot of our youth and and engaged a lot of kids. And it's like I I love I cherish honestly every single person I get to be a spiritual dad for. Like literally just this past week, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a got a phone call and it was someone who was calling for a reference for Aaron Hobbs. So some of you know Aaron Hobbs. Aaron Hobbs is one of our students. I think she came freshman, sophomore year, went all the way through her time here in in high school, went off to University of Georgia. She's about to be a junior. and So I got to A phone call from this mission organization that she's looking to go overseas with next summer for the entire summer, right? And so this person calls, says, hey, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so ministry. I'm calling to talk to you about her as a reference for Aaron Hobbs. And this is exactly what I said. Oh my God, are you serious? Oh my God, I cannot wait to tell you about her. Like, let me, and I said, literally, let me stop you before we go any further and say, I love her to the very core of my being, I have watched her and her journey. I've watched her go from from point A to point B, and I'm so proud of her. How the way that she's fought in life, the way that she's pressed through. I'm being completely honest with you and say it from the front end. If you don't say yes to her, I think that y'all be idiots, right? And she kind of laughed. I laughed because I so enjoy my spiritual kids and believing in them and fighting for them and talking about them, right? So the idea for us is this reality that I believe all of us have been called to be. These dads, men in this room have been called to be dads, whether it's on the bio level, foster level, adopted level, stepdad level, right? And the, and the spiritual dad level, the granddad level, whatever it may be, we have this place in us to go and to be dads. And the piece that I love about it, I think, is the piece for us. We have this call. And whatever children God has placed in our life, we have this call to invest ourselves to help them be who God's called them to be and to lead them to their real life in Christ. Like, that's the thing. It's like like Anna Catherine and Sarah get annoyed at me by lots of things, but you tell them, like, they they know that I love them, that I'm fighting for the best things in their life. My spiritual kids will say the same things. And I love that. I love giving my life away for them. But I also recognize that in the context of life, that not everyone has had a good father figure like i had a great bio dad i'm super thankful for in my life who who loved me and i know some of you have not had that and i recognize when we talk about Fathers, and again, in the Father's Day, there's this, maybe this tension or slash a void of, of something in your life. But I also recognize as it relates to even the spiritual fatherhood that there are those of you who are like, yeah, my dad provided for me, but in my life, I've never really had that, that level of spiritual fatherhood investment that you're talking about, Steve. And so when we sit here, there's actually a real void in your life. I could use the phrase, and I think it's a, it's a phrase we're going to use this morning, but this idea that so often there are many of us who feel like spiritual orphans in our lives. those who maybe have provided but not had this deep level of influence spiritually in our lives that people we feel like are fighting for us, for our betterment, who are who are correcting us when. We are in need. I was talking to a counselor friend, um, uh, this, this, this past week, and we were talking about this, this topic. It's been something that's been in my heart now, and I'm going to tell you a little bit why here in a bit. For the last couple of months, and I was kind of talking to him, some things I was praying through, and some things I was kind of processing through as it relates to, 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 spiritual fatherhood, spiritual orphans, and he said to me, he's like, yeah, I'm in agreement. He said, you now I sit in all of, this. he said, multiple times, he said, I've sat in, uh, these um, groupings of counselors, whether it's groups of like a hundred or maybe even a thousand. And this has happened multiple times where the counselor uh, who's doing the continuing ed teaching will say something like this. Hey, if you were in this room and you've had a healthy father figure in your life who is invested into you so that you feel like you have this fatherly role satisfied and fulfilled in your life, would you please either raise your hand or stand He said in the multiple myriad of times it's been asked, he said, it's maybe 20, maybe 30% of the time that they raise their hands or they stand up in life. You see, the conversation I had a few weeks ago that began to stir this thought in me was with a group of pastors that I'm connected with uh, since January and and we had this national leader. He was the national leader in, the, in this like mission ministry level. You probably wouldn't know his name. His name, the first name is Rob. But Rob was sitting there speaking to us. And we were on Zoom. And he was sharing some thoughts and sharing some ideas and sharing his heart and, and sharing some things. And he kind, of, he kind of just paused in the middle of it. And he said this. I'm going to put this on the screen so that you can see it. He said this. And something was just deeply resonated within me. He said this. One of. One of the greatest problems today in our churches is that so many of our pastors are spiritual orphans. They don't have fathers speaking into their lives, giving encouragement and correction as needed. Like it resonated with me because as I'm sitting there listening to him, he makes this quote. You can leave it up there for a bit. He, like he, he, he says this quote, and all of a sudden on all the Zoom screens, I saw pastors like this, and they went like this kind of leaned into the screen. I looked from like and all of them like were totally engaged and totally listening as he unpacked some ideas and thoughts around this quote again. One of the greatest problems today in our churches is that so many of our pastors, and I would just say so many of our people in general, are spiritual orphans. They don't have fathers speaking into their lives, giving encouragement, like spiritual encouragement, spiritual life things, and correction As needed, right? The reality is our churches, I believe as a whole, are filled with spiritual orphans, and I would even say in the context of our world. It reminds me of a story I've told before, but it's taken from a book by Donald Miller called To Own a Dragon. It's his own story of, of living without a dad and the, and the angst and the tension that he felt growing up and his story then of when God placed a spiritual leader into his life and the formation that took place. But he talked about, he said, I, he said, "I, I heard this documentary about young adolescent elephants and when, and when I heard it, I thought of my own life and this is what he said in the documentary. He watched these orphaned teenage male elephants. They were struggling with their lives in the documentary. The narrator talked about the frustration these elephants were feeling, basically because they'd gone into a, Early cycle of puberty, and, and in the elephant world, there's this thing that happens in that moment where, one, they just this season kind of produces aggression for them. It produces violent behavior. In the documentary, they were taking their aggression out in very destructive ways with one another and honestly with people who were in the villages where they were. Normally, when this cycle begins, a young male elephant will leave his mother, and he will head out into, the, in, out, into the, out into the woods, out into the forest, out into the, this, the African wild to begin his search for an older, more fully mature elephant male to mentor and to guide the, the young elephant. That's the goal. They leave their mother, go out, and then a, the young, like an older, mature elephant will the, recognize what's going on and come alongside. And in these moments, they travel together, they find Food together, they fight together, the older teaching the younger what elephant strength is for and how to use it for the benefit of himself and all the elephants that they are in relationship with in their quote unquote elephant tribe, their elephant family. It is in this mentoring, this moment of spiritual fatherhood, that the aggression subsides. In those moments, they become a healthy and mature adult. Elephant. However, without a fatherly influence to shape them, they become even more angry. They become even more aggressive, and they become dangerous to everyone around them. That's where you get the phrase rogue elephants. They just go through and start destroying because no one has come alongside, their and orphan, their orphan spirit, right, this place of being an orphan, no male adult coming alongside to shape and to encourage and to come along side of them. The case for spiritual orphans, in my opinion, is a very real thing. A tragedy in our churches, but something that I see as an incredible opportunity, right? This tragedy of spiritual orphans and all of us feeling that probably to some degree, I see it as a tragedy, but I also see it as an incredible opportunity. I want to stay for the record this morning, men, hear this. I see this void, right, of fathers coming alongside. Us. I see this void as something that you can step into and fill for someone who's in need, right? This, you can live your life looking for those that you can invest into, and I see it for you as a void that God wants to meet and to fill into, in your life. Because I recognize we begin to talk about this this morning, right? I'm saying to you, hey, I want you to fulfill this role in someone else's life. But I also recognize many of you are sitting there feeling the weight of it yourself, that you've never had someone come alongside, maybe in your aggression, in your anger, in your frustration, right, in your animosity, your tension, in your fear, and maybe in your anxieties to really come alongside and to love on, to encourage, to correct, and to speak into your life. I see it as one of the great tragedies, maybe of the Western church, honestly, one of the great tragedies of the Western church. We have these selfish, nuclear understanding of how we view family, and we kind of, Protect ourselves and never let anybody else into that, which is just not God's plan. It's not God's design at all. It's to invite people into a relationship, just like Jesus did. So with that in mind, this morning, what I want to do is I'm looking at a very familiar story of a father you all know in the context of Scripture. And, it fathers, I want you to pull out some. I want you to pull out some traits, and we're going to pull out some traits that I believe God is calling each of us to express in the lives of other people, but hear this. It's also traits and experiences he wants us to experience ourselves. So he wants us to express these things, and he wants us to experience them in the context of our life. The story this morning is taken from Luke 15. It's the familiar story of the prodigal son, or what I would call the story of the loving father. That's really what this is about. Like Ultimately, it's about the prodigal son returning home and Jesus loving him. But really the story here ultimately is about the father who is loving and pushing through all of these pieces to give himself to those, his sons who were in need. That is what the story really is all about. So I want to just kind of catch you up on this story, kind of remind you of some important pieces in it. In this short story, there's a younger son. He wants to disown the family. That's what he's doing. And asking for his inheritance, he's looking at the dad saying, Hey, if it's okay, I'm going to go ahead and act like you're dead. And I'm going to disown you and everyone in this family. And I'm going to go do my own life. And honestly, the father could have said no. But in this moment, he came alongside and said yes to the son. He took his inheritance and he ran, right? The father grants him his desire, The son goes off. The son wastes it all. He wakes up in his brokenness. He comes home in great humility, right? You remember the story? The father blesses him, and then he apologizes. The father opens his arms, receives him back into the family. It's a beautiful piece. But in the story, you also have the elder son. The elder son is disconnected from his father, even though he lives under the same roof and works with the father, sees the father every single day. The elder son gets angry because he feels like it's unfair that the younger son has been returned back to the family and he's been given gifts, right? And the father's just lavished his love on him and is returning. He gets incredibly jealous. He gets incredibly angry. He gets very, very frustrated in the moment. And he takes out his frustrations on the father, yelling at him and disagreeing with him. The takeaway is easy. The father is the massive hero he expresses a compassion and he expresses a deep love for both of his sons you may not know this but charles dickens called the prodigal story the finest short story that was ever written powerful and it's beautiful in it, there I believe there are three fatherly traits that we, th- we see from this story. And these three fatherly traits, these are things that we should express and things that we are allowed to experience, right? Things that we should express as fathers and all the relationship that we're in. And these traits are things we are to experience as fathers or as sons in the context of our life. Number one, fatherly trait number one, that you experience and you express he fights unconditionally for his children. The prodigal father, he fights unconditionally for his children. The whole of Luke 15, the whole of Luke 15 is Jesus' response to the Pharisees who are upset that Jesus is going into and loving sinners, right? Gee, the whole chapter is about Jesus Coming alongside and educating and contradicting and expressing who he is to Pharisees who just have no understanding of the love of Jesus for those who are far away from him. In the story, it's important to note from the beginning that the prodigal son represents the sinners, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes, those who were, right, opposed, opposed and considered as sinners by all the Pharisees and religious leaders. And the elder son in this story specifically represents the Pharisees. Just know that from the outset. So we see in this story, right, First trade he fights unconditionally for his children is Jesus coming alongside in chapter 15. After the Pharisees, it says this in verse 2, it's not on the screen, but you hear it. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. And Jesus, being Jesus and wanting to come and express his power in the moment to express a very clear understanding by putting his foot down, but doing it in a very direct But I would say loving way. He says, let me tell you three stories, guys. Let me tell you three stories. And the first story, I want you to know that the father is one that if he has a hundred sheep and he loses one. He will go and he will find that sheep because he loves it and he will celebrate it. That's what he does. He leaves these who are already at home and he goes to those that are in need. Also, another story I want you to recognize that the father this father, God has a bunch of coins and he has all the coins over here. But he loses one. He's going to get down on the floor. He's going to go around and look and look and look and look until he finds that one lost coin. And when he finds that lost coin, the things that is great value to him, you know what he does? He's going to celebrate. Now, let me tell you the third story. Let me tell you about the story of the prodigal son a.k.a. all the sinners whose houses I'm walking into that you're frustrated about. And I want you to know there's also an elder son, and that's you. And he comes in and sits down with them in the moment and says, in this I want you to hear me say, when the prodigal comes home, he celebrates. He celebrates because he loves the prodigal un." conditionally just as he loves the elder son you couldn't do anything and so i want you to recognize my 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 religious friends that you're frustrated because god loves the ones who's lost and he loves you even though you have no idea who you are in god's eyes and even who you are he loves all unconditionally. The father heart looks beyond sin to find the image of God in a person and won't let any outside voice dissuade him. Everyone in our lives needs a father to fight for them this way and you need a father to fight for you this way. Second thing, a second trait we see from the father is he loves his children unconditionally. God is calling you to fight unconditionally for your children in your life. He's calling you to love children unconditionally. The story finds its greatest expression of power in the ability and the conviction of the father to love both of his children and their specific brokenness. He loves the child who disowned him, who left the family, who treated all of them as if they were dead to him. That's the message, right? On the other hand, the elder son, right? He lived angry, disconnected, and disenfranchised with his father. In both instances, in both of their immaturity, the father only loved them and only provided for them. Again, everyone in your life needs a father to love them this way, and each of you needs a father to love you this way. Do you love like this? Even in your own children. Do you love them like do you fight for them unconditionally? That story after story of my mom and my dad fighting for me, not even knowing for sure if I was guilty of something or if I was innocent, but they fought for me unconditionally. Plenty of moments in my life, this is a dumb story, but I think about it all the time. 20-something years old, I've graduated from, no, no, I'm home from college for the summer, I'm filling in for my dad who's gone to Brazil on a mission trip, and I'm working at the boat shop, right? And long story short, I get confused on the prices of boats that I'm selling for him, and I sold one boat for $3,000 less than what he had it named at. I was causing him to lose a fair amount of money. And all of a sudden, I realized that along the way, pit in my stomach, and I had to go after my dad got home and say, Dad, I hope you had a great trip. I hope Jesus is really, really close to your heart right now. Uh, but this is what happened, <laughs> right? And you know what he did? He just looked at me. And he goes, Eh, it's just money. You're more important. It's like, ah, but it's $3,000, man. man. Yeah, whatever. We'll sell another one. I hope the guy enjoys it. I mean, literally, this is it. I mean, powerful, right? I walked away going, I'm not one. I'm not sure my dad would have been like that 10 years ago. So it spoke to the growth of my dad in his own spiritual childhood with the Father of God and being shaped by him and being changed by him. It was beautiful, right? But I received it for myself. It was powerful. Do you love your children unconditionally like this? The third thing, he shares all of himself unconditionally. He shares all of himself. Never forget, scripture says, we are heirs of, listen, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, which simply means everything that God possesses and owns belongs to us. And that's what we see in the prodigal, right? He shares himself unconditionally with both of his God-loving, he says, and both of his idiotic children, right? God loved them. God loved them, right? The generosity of seen in both sons, the prodigals and Never forget this. I'm almost Listen, we're gonna kind of wind this down in like five minutes, so just give me the last five minutes, right? Pay attention. I love it because the prodigal comes home. He's dirty. He's smelly. He's broken, right? Hey, listen, super important part of the story. He was like Matt asked me or somebody asked me this morning. Hey, are these uh, is this kosher bacon, <laughs> right? As a joke, right? Because it's pork. Listen, this is the most unclean animal in Jewish tradition. Who had the prodigal son been hanging out with? The unclean pigs. He smelled like pigs. He probably looked like a pig, right? He had been hanging out with pigs. He still got pig goo all over him, probably pig poo all over him, right? That's the moment he's living in, and the father sees him in his pig poo-ness, right, and goes running to him doesn't wash him off in his pig punis, but grabs hold of him. And it tells us in verse 20, when he was still a long way off, his father hyped up his man's skirt, right? Completely inappropriate. Saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and put his arms around stinky son and kissed his pig body all over the place. Listen, dads. I know your kids may hate it, but sometimes you need to lavish that type. I don't care if you're an introvert, extrovert. I don't care how you express love. Sometimes the only thing to do is to lavish this uncomfortableness of love on your kids so they will never forget it. Never forget it. You're like, this is not who I am. It is you. Because it's Jesus in you. It's what the Father does right here. He lavishes love. He lavishes it in an annoyance. If I did that to Anna Catherine and Sarah right now, like, ah, ah, yeah, right? It's like, I mean, it's like, I wouldn't care. That's why I like, listen, all you people out there whose kids I like love on and hug, I don't care. They're like, yeah, right? I just want them to know their pastor loves them. And if it makes them too walk let me know, and I'll stop. All right. So, beloved, love, love it because in verse 21, the first 21, the apology came second. Right? He poured himself out extravagantly and the sun hadn't done anything except smell like a pig. And then he apologized and the dad cut him off and said, look, he's coming on in. He's home. Our son was lost, and now he's found. Give him the family ring. Give him the family robe. Take that fat calf we've been waiting to kill and let's celebrate him with it. Woo! Everybody come on in for a party. My son's home. My son's home. My son's home, everybody. Woo! Woo! The son is home. He's back. What he does, y'all. If that's not the picture of God that you have as Father in your life, I'm sorry. The Western Church has sold you a lame view of God. Does that excite you to think about knowing him that way? All right. I just got into that. Y'all don't know where I am. Here we go. I love this, the elder brother's really no different. Right? This is the crazy piece. So basically Jesus is looking at them, looking at the elder son. The elder son was working with the father, with the father, around him all day long, but was so, just so disconnected, he had no idea what was available to him. Verse 31, I think I'm going to say it in the way I think the father said it. Son, you've always been with me. And all that I have, it's already yours. Like, have you ever had that moment with your kid or someone else's kid or a moment with somebody when you realize they have no idea how much you love them and it breaks you that they don't know? And then you, like, annoyingly talk about it until you feel like they have to know now because you've overly saturated with them the truth of how you feel about them? That's what he's doing right here. You've always, hey, you've always been with me. Isn't it crazy? That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees about the way he viewed them. You always make Pharisees be about bad guys. But Jesus loved them and said, everything belongs to you. In both scenarios, both sons, for very different reasons, they had no idea that the Father's heart was all about sharing all of himself unconditionally with them. They didn't even... They didn't have to earn it It as by grace, right? They simply needed to receive it. Everyone in your life needs you to share all. Listen, everyone in your life that God's placed there needs you to share all of yourself unconditionally. And each of you need fathers to share unconditionally with you. The world needs spiritual fathers because the world, including some of us, are full of spiritual orphans, right? People like the two sons totally missing what they needed, a father who fought for them, a father who loved them and shared himself unconditionally. It's what you are to express, and thankfully it's what you are to experience. So, three takeaways this morning, I'm going to go through real quickly in all three of these, and then Toby's going to come and lead us out in worship. We're going to take some time and pray. Number one, so we can just kind of see them on the screen. Be the father someone needs. Receive, receive these truths. Be the father someone needs. Receive these truths from Jesus yourself as spiritual father and seek out spiritual fathers on earth. So be the father someone else needs. You, listen, when, listen, when what, what is massively like touching your heart this morning out of a longing of your own desire of a father, then be that for someone else. Do unto others what you wish someone had done to you. Be extravagant in it. Holistic in it, right? Do these things we talked about. Fight unconditionally for them. Love unconditionally. Share all of yourself unconditionally. Be the father someone else needs, right? Like, I've got spiritual kids who are here this morning. I love this. Like a week and a half ago, I'm not sure if Toby's in here, but like, Randall went and did lunch with Toby, like a late lunch, and she came just just to be a spiritual mom to him and to invest into his life. I don't know how long that They hung out for like two or three hours. And she came home like, this is the best thing I've ever done. She had so much fun. She was like, I just love Toby so much, right? It's like we're looking at this, right? To invest into people. There's Toby right there, right? It's like, man, she just loves him. And I love him too. It's like He's a spiritual son of mine. I think he's amazing. I can sit here all day long and tell you everything I love about Toby outside of him leading worship. This is what he does, but it's not who he is. We don't love people for what they do. Like Sydney's been playing University of Georgia, right? She's been killing it in softball. Whenever i got people call me almost every week after a game, say, oh my, you see Sydney's games? I said, of course I did. I'm her spiritual dad. I watch all of her games, right? I'm texting your mom and dad during every single game. I'm making fun of her in her game, right? I'm celebrating her in game. I'm sending pictures of her to herself in the games so she can see when she's done. I'm sitting on top of the table taking videos like this on my phone so she can see the home run she hit. That's not who she is. When I talk about her to people, I'll say, yeah, she's a great softball player, but you should know her heart. My gosh, she loves Jesus. She loves her sister sometimes, right? She loves her, right? Sisters are the next to her, Stephanie right? She loves her mom and dad. She loves her family. She loves her softball team. She is Jesus to them. I talk about her life. I tear up whenever I talk about them. Be that for somebody. Receive these truths for yourself from Jesus, your heavenly father. The whole prodigal story is about Jesus' love for both sinner and Pharisee. He loved them both. He hurt for both. He wanted both of them to receive him in these ways, right? He wanted to recognize, I'm a God who will hike up my man's skirt, and I'll come running down to you in your filthiness, and I will just lavish my love on you, right? You're like, that's awkward. It shouldn't be. That's part of our problem. Who is Jesus to you? Is he a distant God or an ever-present Father? God would love for you to know Him as the Father in your own story, and then seek out spiritual fathers on earth. So this guy Rob I was talking about, um, he's probably about if he's, he's probably late fifties, maybe early sixties. It was hard to tell in a Zoom call. He just wrote a book with a guy named John Maxwell. Just to kind of put you in kind of context, like John Maxwell, the leadership guru. Called him and said, I heard one of your talks. Can I do a book with you? Right? So, and I'm like, oh, he must be, oh, he must have something to say that's important, right? But it was so fascinating. He sat there, he started, he said, guys, I just want you to know I'm probably going to cry today. I'm like, he said, my one of my spiritual fathers just passed away a couple of days ago. So I'm thinking, someone he's known for a long time, well, he's only known him for like five years. He said, when I was about fifty fifty one fifty two years old, he said, "I heard about this guy, so I reached out to him and said hey i don 't know we don 't know each other, uh, but i would I would love to connect with you i 'm looking for guys who can invest in my life i 'm looking for men who can be fathers who can tell me who can encourage me in my life, and men who can correct me where I'm wrong. And I think you're a guy like that. I don't have expectations of you being my best friend, hanging every day, all that kind of stuff, and calling me once a week. I just, whenever we're together and you were able to give your time to me, I'd be very thankful. He said, so we did. We met. We probably met four times a year. I'd reach out to him when I had needs or I had questions. And he became that person in my life, and he just died, and I'm very emotional about it. I I just loved him, and he just loved me so much, Right. And he talked about this, how he went after people to be fathers for him, right? So I reached out to them. Some of them said yes. Some of them said no, but I just gave my life. And I've got multiple spiritual men in my life who are fathers to me and investing into my life. And so I said, that's awesome. So the next week. There's a guy who I've been read one of his books, or a couple of his books, or things I've read multiple times, or a ball in my bookshelf. I looked up at him just from, from Book World, and so I've uh, been reading his books for like 20, 25 years found out he had moved to Marriott at Georgia of all places, so I somehow tracked down his email, and I said, I'm just going to go see if he'll be a spiritual father of mine. So I reached out to and said, hey, my name's so-and-so, my name's Steve Hambrick, not so-and-so, my name's Steve Hambrick, right? This is who I am. We don't have anybody in common that we know. We have no history together. I've never met you, you never met me, but your books have been influential in my life. I don't know if you'd be up for it, but I'm in this place of looking for men who can speak into my life, who can love me well, and who can correct me when things are going on in my life. Would you be willing to meet me for breakfast, lunch one day. I'll pay, right? He went back and said, how about next Thursday, 12 p.m. at such and such restaurant in East Cobb? I'm like, I'm there, dude. So we got there and listen, it was a, it was an interesting time. It's always interesting kind of going, this cold calling somebody and doing lunch, right? But we sat down, we hung out. He kind of told me some of his stories and I walked away with these things that have like shaped me. I didn't think about it at the time, but I walked away talking about ministry and talking about life and how you do, right? And I literally put myself out there. He's not going to hang out all the time. I may talk to him maybe a couple of times a year. That may be the only only time I have no idea, but that moment was a father speaking into my life, and it was powerful. So, my vision for you, my vision for me, and my vision for Vintage is that each of us men, as fathers with our father heart, father spirit God's given us, we would engage, we would engage Jesus personally as Father. We would engage those in need who had, who are spiritual orphans who are like those angry elephants walking around, needing someone to love on them and help them mature, that we would be those fathers for them. And that I would just encourage you to seek out fathers. Step out and ask somebody. They may not say yes. It may take you three times of asking somebody, right? But someone who can encourage you and correct you when needed because we are all in need of that. I hope this morning this is connected. I hope it's resonated with you. I hope it's challenged you. I hope it's like... I hope that you're walking away go, "I feel this, right? I feel this as we come into worship this morning i'm gonna um I'm gonna bring the lights down, and Toby's going to play I'm gonna invite uh, every man eighteen and over in this room to go ahead and stand this morning, and I'm just gonna speak over you. If you are close by, you can place a hand on them. You know, Terry earlier was putting her hand on lifeguard Larry's butt. It was kind of awkward in prayer. But if that's the best place for you to connect with your spouse, feel free. But if not, just find some other place. Hold a hand, a shoulder, a leg, whatever it may be. Man, I just want you to know that uh, you are loved. I want you to know that you were seen by God. I don't know what you think about in your life or the things that you've done, but I want you to know that God would come, hike up his man's skirt, and he has run for you. I want you to know this morning that God wants to, he's affirming you, And he's proud of you. Don't need to qualify things like the prodigal son did. But, but do you know what I've done? But, he's like, throw the butts out the window. I just love you and I'm proud of you for being my son. And he wants you to receive that this morning. I want you to know he just really enjoys doing things with you. He loves he loves when you mow the yard. He loves when you watch your favorite sports team. He loves going to work with you. He loves just being with you when you're a husband and when you're a dad and when you're a friend. He loves going fishing with you. He loves playing golf with you. He just enjoys you and loves being with you and whatever you're doing, whether it's "Quote unquote spiritual or not, he just loves to be with you. He wants you to know that he he did die for you. That was the extent and the nature and the depth of his love for you. And now, Father, I pray this morning, this in the context." power of your love. Lord, I'm asking that you would just blow past, just blow past the work of the enemy, the shame that's been built, blow by the fear of intimacy, blow by the failures and the rejection blow by all of those things that are keeping them in the fullness of what you have for them, God, in relationship with you and of knowing you and experiencing you and being alive in Jesus. I'm asking now in Jesus' name, you would blow by all of that. You would crush walls in Jesus' name and that you would meet them in your fullness and they would say, I met Jesus my father this morning and he is for me. He's not against me. He loves me and he's gotten me in his hands. Father, would you meet them? Only you can, God. And I do pray, would you open up doors, no matter how old they are, God, would you open up doors for spiritual fathers to begin speaking into their life? Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We're going to go to ministry. Toby's going to lead us in worship. ministry team will be available to pray for anything going on in your life. I will close this out right around 1225 so you can go about your Father's Day festivities. You respond as the Lord leads.